This is uh, part four of my sermon series on Exodus, and I have no idea how many parts will actually be to this. To this whole series, it's going to take us a while to get through this, but uh, we're just going to be... Last time we had covered, uh, it's been over a month ago, I had preached a sermon at, with the joint service with Cornerstone on um, God meeting Moses at the burning bush and revealing his name to Moses. And that was in, in chapter 3. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, do a little bit of review and then we're just going to work through all the way to the end of chapter 4. So a lot... A lot of ground to cover, but there's some really, really good stuff in here uh, for us this morning. Oh, yeah. Sorry, dude. Okay. I should have done this earlier, but thank you, Verlin. Appreciate it. All right. Perfect. So just to backtrack real briefly, we, we, saw, uh, we saw Jacob's family come into Egypt, settle into Egypt, and as a result of God's blessing on their lives, they, his children and their children grew exceedingly, so much so that the, that, that the king of Egypt became uh, afraid that they would actually take, just sort of take over, and that um, as a result, he enslaved them and then ended up uh, actually trying to, to kill all the Hebrew baby boys that were born. Um, we saw in chapter 2 the birth of a man who would come to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. Uh, we saw his, his, his birth, how he was rescued, adopted into the, the, the family of, of, of Pharaoh, as Pharaoh's daughter. We saw him, um, his sense of, and, and his his. his his sense of, of justice and almost like, like anger um, at the oppression that he was seeing on his own people. He ends up killing uh, the Egyptian that was, that was beating a Hebrew slave, one of his own people. And we see him like, like identify with the suffering of, of his people. He, he's grown up in the courts of Pharaoh, um, but he knows deep down these are his people. Like he's one of them. And uh, this causes him to, to act out in this way. As a result of this, he flees into, into the wilderness, into the land of Midian, uh, because obviously Pharaoh uh, found out about this and was trying to kill him. Um, in Midian, he meets uh, who is, his future wife. Uh, his wife ends up marrying, and then at the end of this, God hears the people's cry. He hears their groan, and he... It says God knew, and it's, it's, that's the moment when we see God begin to God step into this story, and this is the moment that God starts to act. The very next chapter, then chapter three, we looked at last time. Moses is in the wilderness. He's taking care of his sheep, um, shepherding his uh, the flock, and God shows up in the form of a burning bush, and uh, has a conversation with Moses. We uh, focused heavily on, on just the revelation of God's name. I am who I am, and, and his call to go back to Egypt. This, today, I want to spend, a, spend time focusing on this conversation that God and Moses had together. Um, so, 
you and I have, we've read the, the, whole, the whole Bible, we've read the whole, we know, we have a good sense of who God is through, through the way that he's revealed himself throughout scripture. But if we were coming to this story for the very first time, um, we have not yet seen any of God's laws given. We have not seen him spell out. The, the only thing we know about God, if we're looking at, at Genesis and Exodus for the very first time, is that is what we learn from him is what we, what we see and how he interacts with, with the people here in this, in this book. We know we've learned God cares deeply about um, the oppressed, about, about his he cares deeply about his people. He wants to have a people. Um, but in this conversation, we're going, to see, we're going to see more and more of God's character revealed. Excuse me. More and more of God's character revealed. And we're going to learn about how, we're going to learn about, I think about our, through Moses and his response to God in this conversation, we see, we're, we're going to see, I, I think a reflection of of the same things that, that you and I struggle with and, and wrestle with. That the, the, and the, the, the beauty of, 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 of the Bible, stories in the Bible, is that so often the, 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 the people that we read about, the stories, they, they're just like us. They're like you and me. They have the same questions that we have. They have the same fears that you and I have. They have uh, the same temptations and failures that you and I have. And so there's, there's a lot for us to learn here. So let's pick up in, um, in verse 7 of chapter 3. I'm not going to read this whole passage. I'm just going to work my way through it. And what I want to note, and the, 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 the structure of, I guess how I want to structure the sermon this morning is, is in this conversation. So we have... God's initial call for Moses. God's call to go back to Egypt. And then we're going to see Moses um, bring up five objections or questions or objections to God's call. And then we're going to see God's response in this conversation with Moses. So we have God's initial call in verse 10. And then we have a series of objections by Moses, five specifically. And then we have God's response. And in God's response, we're going to see a, a long list of, of, of his, his promises and, and his, um, his, of him, yeah, of his promises to Moses of how he's going to work this out. So, let's read, uh, start with verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. So he's seen the affliction he says he's heard their cry because of their taskmasters and he knows their suffering so he's, he's seen he's heard he knows their suffering he identifies with their suffering and i have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land so it's like i've seen it and i've i've come down to deliver them but we all know um, that god uses moses um, and that's what this this next what this chapter is about here. He says he will bring, he's heard the cry, seen the oppression. Verse 10 then is, is the initial call of Moses. And this is where, where Moses' work all sort of stems out of. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
come, I'm going to send you. And he just got done saying, I'm going to come down and deliver the people of Israel. And so all of a sudden it goes from like, I'm going to do this, but it's like, okay, no, Moses, I want you to go. And we're going to see God empower Moses. We're going to see God equip him. We're going to see him use Moses to, to work in, the, in, in this story. So how does Moses respond? This is the first objection, the first question. It says, but Moses. And I think there's something really in- intriguing here because it's like this, you and I know what this is like. There are moments when God, God more, I guess more about this the calling. And, and um, there are moments where, well, God has called all of us as his followers to, to, work, to, to live out his mission in the world. Of his mission of reconciliation, reconciling all of humanity back into himself. Like Moses, he's called you and I to, to do that work. Jesus uh, came down to earth. He, 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 he died for us and was resurrected to reconcile mankind back to, to God. But you and I are the ones who are called now. And what so often happens is we have the same response uh, as Moses does in verse 11, but Moses. It was like, we have a call, and then it's like, but Moses. And this whole conversation is going to be like this. Is, is, is Moses trying to understand how and, and why God is using him? So I'm going to actually just make a list, just so you guys can all see here. I'm going to move this over a little bit, because I think this is going to be really important for all of us. I think, I think you'll see why at the end. But I'm just going to, like, on this side here, I'm going to um, write down Moses' objections, or que- questions or objections. I feel like I misspelled that. It's actually hard to write from this angle. Anyways, so objection number one in, in verse 11, he says, But Moses said to God, Who am I? Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring out the children of Israel out of Egypt. And that's his first question is, or objection is, is, is who am I? I'm just going to write that down. And this has to do with, with, with Moses' identity. Um, he's been the shepherd. Like he, he, he grew up in the, in the, in the courts of, of Pharaoh was, he, he, he fled that, um, he identifies with his people, and now he's, he's the shepherd. He's gone from royalty to being a shepherd. It's like going from like, like, like being the vice president to being like a garbage man. I don't know, maybe that's too drastic. But like, and he's, he's wondering, like, God, how in the world, are, who am I that you would use me to do what you're asking, what you're asking me to do? I am in no position to do that. And this has to do with his identity. In other words, he's, he's asking, who am I? Why me, God? Why me? Why sh- I'm not qualified. I don't have what it takes. Um, and what's interesting is that the way that God responds is that he doesn't even try to, he doesn't try to come and pump Moses up and say, you've got this, Moses. Just believe in yourself. Um, you know, think positive. He doesn't even respond in that way. He's, he's not even saying... Uh, he didn't even respond to that question. He says this in verse 12. But he said, but I will be with you 
It's all about God here. This has nothing to do with like, like who you are or aren't, Moses. It's about who I am and how I'm going to work through you. I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you've brought out the people of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And that's God's response. It's, it's interesting. He didn't even respond to his or, or directly answer his question. So Moses' question was, who am I? And God responds with two promises. And I'm, on this side... I'm just going to uh, keep a list of God's promises. And we're just going to keep a, a running list of this because I think this would be really important towards the end. So God, uh, God's promises is, what, what was the first promise? I'll be with you. I'll be with you. What was the second one? In, the, in verse 12, I believe. He says, this will be the sign that once I've led you out of Egypt, then what? You'll worship on this mountain. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to send you, and this is what's going to happen. So it's like God's, God's promise, revealing more and more information to Moses. Um, you'll worship mountain. Okay, not, well, not mountain, but on mountain. Okay. So moving on, those are his promises. He said, I will be with you, and you will serve God on this mountain. All right, so it's interesting. This conversation keeps going. It's not like, like Moses says, okay, that's, that sounds good, I'll go. It's like the rest of this chapter is, is Moses just like, but Moses. It's like a lot of buts in this, this chapter here. The Picking up in um, verse 3, 13, then Moses said to God, and this is the second objection here, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And here, first, and here God is, Moses asked God, who are you? Who are you? Question number one was, who am I that I should go? And now, now Moses asks, who are you? And what do I tell your people that you are. So, second question, who is God? Or who are you? And as we work through these questions, keep in mind, I think we often, or at least myself, I've, 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 I've viewed Moses' questions and objections as him trying to get out of God's call of him trying to make excuses and actually like be disobedient. But I actually believe, now that I've studied this, and I could be wrong, but I believe that Moses is actually trying to understand. And he's, he's actually trying to understand how God is going to use him and, and why God is going to use him. He's trying to, to understand that. And that's what the, he's asking the questions that you and I would ask. We would be asking these very same questions if we were Moses tending sheep in the, in the wilderness. Like, this is how we would respond. And so I think Moses is asking out of a good faith these questions. So how does, how does God respond? He says, God, and this is where God reveals his name to him. He says, I am who I am. And that's where, that where we, we get the translation of, of Yahweh. And we, we're not going to dig into that today. We did that last time. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, or Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is who I am. God, you, you ask me, who, who are you, God? What? And he says, this is who I am. I'm the God of your fathers. I'm Yahweh. I am that I am. He says, go gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what you've done, what has been done to you in Egypt. And here God is, is, is t- telling Moses, summarize what tell tell the people of Israel what I've told you. I've seen your affliction, and I'm going to take you out of Egypt into this land flowing with milk and honey. And so, another I guess one promise here that we have in God's response is that I am has sent me to you. He's telling Moses, go tell the people that I, the Lord, have sent you. So, I send you. All right? Picking up in verse 18. And then God describes what's going to happen after you reveal this to them. He says, And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. There's another promise there in verse 18. He says, they're going to listen to you. You don't need to be afraid. They're going to hear your voice and they're going to respond. They're going to listen to you. So I'm just going to write that down again too. They'll listen to you. The reason we're working through this is because God asks you and I um, very specific, we, you and I have very specific callings in this world. Um, general, uh, all of us are called to, to, to be a, a witness and, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus here on this earth. But more specifically, we have very individual callings of ministry in this world. So some of us are, um, I've been called to be, a, to be a preacher, a minister of the word at, at church. Um, there are some of you, but I also have the calling of, of, of um, working with my hands and, and doing, doing gutters. Um, some of you are moms. You have a very specific calling to your children. Some of you are, are, are businessmen or work with, with the land as farmers or um, are teachers or in the medical field. Like We all have specific areas of life that God has called us to. And there's moments where we don't know when God asks us to do something where we're not sure exactly how it's going to work out. And he doesn't reveal that to us. But he asks us to, 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 to act. Here with Moses, it's like God is completely showing him exactly what he wants to do and what he, um, how it's going to work out. He's giving him all the information here. So that's what the, this, this list is all about. Okay, back in um, verse 18. Actually, verse 19. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. Here again, he's revealing more information. 
So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. So more, more promises here. Egypt, Pharaoh's not going to let you go, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move and I'm actually going to compel him to let you go. Um, after that, he will let you go. Another promise. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver, gold, jewelry, for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Okay, so you read that and you're just like, ah, I, I'm not sure I like that word plunder in there. It's just, just like God calling the Israelites to, to plunder the Egypt, or to plunder the Egyptians. It's just like, it's just me maybe, but God tells Moses, don't worry about the logistics. Like, I will take care of that. I will move on your behalf. You don't need to figure all of this out. This is how I'm going to do it. And this, just trust me and just, just follow my call. Be obedient. I'm going to take care of these details. You and I often don't have the luxury of, of seeing all those details. We're just called to follow. And there are times when God reveals the details to us. Like, this is how it's going to work. And, and that, those, are, those are wonderful times. Most of the time, God does not do that. Um, here, God does. And we're just going to see Moses, Moses, how he deals with this. Okay, so I'll let you go. Or I'll, the Egyptians will let you go. Egyptians will let you go. Okay, moving on to verse uh, to chapter four now. Then Moses answered, and this is Moses' third objection or his third question in this series of, of objections. He says, "But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, "The Lord did not appear to you." Like makes sense, right? Like you and I would ask that. Like we would say that, and we do. Like we're called to share the gospel to the world around us. And one of the greatest things that keep us from doing that is, well, they're not going to believe me. We're, and this has to do with, with, with Moses' fear of rejection, of Moses being, being afraid of, of being rejection, rejected. So, objection number three, they won't believe me. Okay. This has to do with Moses' fear of rejection. And this is a real fear, and it's, it's a fear that, that drives all, most of us, often, if, if we allow it to. But how does God respond? Here again, God continues to, to give Moses the information and the resources and the equipment that he needs. And he, in, the next, uh, in these next verses, we're going to see God give him three specific signs three specific tools that he can work with. Sign number one, he, he asks Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses says, it's a staff. And God says, throw it, throw it down on the ground. So Moses throws it down on the ground, and it turns into a snake. And now, now picture this. It's like Moses, he's, he's at this time, I think, around 80 years old. He throws this thing down. I, like, I picture like a, a, a little white-haired man with a white beard, a shepherd, 
throws his staff on the ground, becomes a snake, and, and it says, so he threw it on the ground, it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. Like, I'm not sure, that mind picture for me is, is just so, I think it's just, it's just amusing, it's just funny. It's just like picturing this happen, it, it, I don't know, it's, it's, it's great. Um, Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he, he goes, he catches this thing by the tail, it's a snake. I, I'm like, yeah. Catches it by the tail and it turns back into a staff. So this was sign number one. A staff that turns into a snake. And there's something really interesting here, I think, that, and I think, I hope something that we can apply to our own lives, is that that Moses staff, it's a shepherd's staff, and it was, it was like, it was with him constantly. It's what he used to correct his sheep, to, to, to keep them from danger. It's it was just like it was his the tool of his trade and he's been using it every day to do his job and now god takes what moses is already using and being faithful in and he he turns it into something that god can use as a symbol uh, the primary symbol of of his power um to the Egyptians and to the Israelites. Like this staff will go on, like we'll see it through, throughout the rest of Exodus. This staff shows up in multiple ways and, and just as a powerful display of, of, of God's power. Um, and I think there's something here for us that, and I would ask you all this, is like what is your shepherd's staff? What is your shepherd's staff? What is the thing that you are, you are that God has called you to right now? Um, as a as a carpenter, as a as a nurse, uh, as a as a teacher, like, and I'm curious f- to hear from you guys. What are your what is like the the one tool of your trade that is sort of like defines your trade? I'll I'll go. I mean, I'll, I'll just say one thing. It's like for myself, it's it's an, it's a dewalled impact. It's a, a, a drill. It's like I use that thing. Every single day, well, except for Sundays and Saturdays, sometimes Saturdays. It's like, it is the thing that almost defines my, my, my trade. Uh, I'd be curious to hear from you guys. Like, what is your shepherd staff? Your microphone. Okay, anyone else? Put, put people to sleep, Okay. Anesthesia, anesthesia? Okay, that's scary. <laughs> Anyone else? Coffee some days? Okay. <laughs> that's for all of us, I think. Anyone else? For some of you, maybe it's a truck. Johnny, I think of you, 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 you truck and trailer. That's like, that is your shepherd staff. Uh, for some of you, it might be a pen or a computer. Um, for some of you, it's, it's, yeah, there might not be one specific thing. But the idea that I want to bring out from this is that God took what Moses was using and being faithful with, and he, he took that and he turned it into a, a, a powerful symbol for his power. You see, and jumping forward to chapter or to verse 20, this is really cool. Um, actually, to, to verse 18, 
This is after Moses decides to go back to Egypt. Uh, actually, yeah, verse 20 says, so God took his wife, or to, Moses took his wife and sons, had them riling donkey, went back to the land of Egypt, and it says this, and Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Took the staff of God. Like we started off with, like this was Moses' staff. All of a sudden, um, it, it's described as the staff of God in his hand. I think there's something really powerful there for us that what seems ordinary to, to you and I um, can be, if we allow God to use, use it, can, be, can be, become a, a powerful tool in, in God's hands. Okay. Um, the, the second sign then was, was in uh, moving down to verse 6 of chapter 4. He said, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it, his hand was leprous like snow. And we, heard about, we heard about leprosy this morning. And um, so Moses did that. He put, put his hand inside his cloak, brought it out. It was leprous. And when he put it back in, God said, put it back inside your cloak. And when he did that, his hand was restored like the, the rest of his flesh. We read these stories so often, and we're just like, we, we sort of lose the, the impact of it. But this would have been, I think, this would have been um, a, a powerful sign to anybody who saw it. Um, it because the two things about leprosy or about, about this type of disease in the Old Testament or in the ancient world, number one is that, that disease was often viewed as a, as a curse or as, as judgment from God. It wasn't just something that, oh, you went out and, and it was a, a thing of nature. There was something almost spiritual about it that was there was, there was like judgment of God or some sort of like power of God there. And to be healed from disease was often viewed as, as the working of, of the gods, you know, God's power. Um, so, so Moses does that and... What this, has to, what this sign has to do with is, is that it's like the, the power of God is going to be revealed to the Egyptians in, in, a, in a real way. Okay, sign number three. Um, he says if, if they don't believe you then, this third sign, take, up, take some water from the Nile River and pour it on the dry ground and the water will become blood on the dry ground. The Nile was the source of all life for the Egyptians. It was where... It was, it was worshipped, actually. It was a, almost like a deity um, for the Egyptians. It's where, where, where all of life came from. And one scholar says that in Egyptian lore, apparently, that there was Egyptian lore that held that if the, not, there was blood in the Nile, it was a sign of a, of, it was a bad omen of things to come. Like It was just like something bad was about to go down. And that's what's happening here, I think. So all of these three signs, God is equipping Moses to do the work to convince his people to come out of Egypt. Okay, so verse 10, we have the, Moses' fourth objection. He says, but Moses said to the Lord, again, another but here, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Okay, and this objection has to do with 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 Moses, like limitations, like physical limitations. Like this was a real thing. 
and it's something that, that you and I can, can identify with. Um, he, he's slow of tongue, speech and tongue. It's like maybe he had a speech impediment. Um, maybe he was just really nervous in front of other people. Um, but it, I think it, you could read this as there was an actual speech impediment. Um, maybe it was a stutter or he just couldn't speak loud. But this was his objection. I can't speak well. This is his fourth objection. I can't speak well. And I love how God responds to this. Because again, he's saying, Moses, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, what matters is that you're willing to be used of me. And this is who I am. This is how I'm going to work through you. Again, God gives him more promises. In verse 11, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Like, I'm, I created your mouth, Moses. Like, I am the creator. Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? It's like all of these responses, like, it comes back to who God is. It's not who Moses is, but it's about who God is. Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. The first objection God answered to Moses back here was, who am I? And God said, I will be with you. Now, God says, I can't, uh, Moses says, I can't speak well. And God responds with, I will be with your mouth. I will be with your mouth. Seriously, you guys, I, I can't even read this, but it's like, I, I hope the, the, the marks will at least uh, illustrate what I'm trying to get at. Therefore go, I will be with your mouth. And then Moses responds with this. Chapter 13, this is his last and final sort of objection question to God. Up until now, Moses has been trying to understand how God is going to work, why he's using him. And now, and, and up, in, up until now, he's been asking God questions. How are you going to do this? Who are you? Who am I? Um, I can't speak well. Like, all these legitimate things. And Moses' last objection, there's a, a marked change. There's a distinct change in this response. Because all of a sudden, Moses goes from asking God a question to all of his fifth response, he goes from, from asking a question to telling God what God should do. After all this back and forth, after all the, the promises that God has given, after all the information that God has provided, Moses goes from asking God, how are you going to do this, to saying, please send someone else. It's like, no thanks, God. Please send someone else. And all of a sudden, Moses' response is no longer coming from a heart that's trying to understand. It's, it's coming from a heart who's heard all the information, who's heard all the promises, who knows how God's actually going to do this, and he says, no. No thank you. Please send someone else. And all of a sudden, he's asked, he's, he responds from a heart that is no longer surrendered to doing what God wants, to doing what God is asking him to do. And God responds, like I imagine uh, I would respond if I was God. Verse 14, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. 
And it's interesting, this little wordplay here is that in the first of the chapter 3, we see, saw this, this burning bush, this picture of a fire being kindled, and now God's anger is being kindled at Moses' response. And I've asked myself, why did God become angry? Why was he angry? And I think it's because of this, is that Moses was no longer willing to follow God's calling. Moses was no longer willing to follow God's calling. Sometimes there are times when God calls you and I um, to very specific things, and, he, and, and, and there are times where he shows us clearly how he wants to do that. And he gives us all the, the tools that we need, the resources that we need, the information that we need. But most of the time, he, he doesn't. He calls us to follow him. Like Abraham, when Abraham uh, left his home country, God asked him to leave. And they didn't have this long conversation. It was like Mo- Abraham just went. He had, he had faith and he, and he moved and, and God took care of the rest. For us, it's, there, most of the times God doesn't give us all the details. But what God wants of you and I is to follow him anyhow. To, to trust that he's going to work out all the details. To trust that he's going to move. What he wants of us is, is a heart that is willing to go. A heart that is willing to follow God no matter what. And I don't think it's wrong to ask questions. It's, it's okay to ask questions. We do, we're, we're human, we struggle. Who am I? It's like, I, who am I? Um, I have a speech impediment. Um, like we have these, these same struggles that Moses did. But what God wants for you and me is that we are willing to follow God's calling despite all of that and allow God to, to work out those details. So Moses, uh, so God again responds with this. He said, and this is where it's like a picture of God's, his, his mercies are new every day. Like he, his anger was kindled, but he again gives grace. It's like that's, that's God's way with us. We can, we can mess up. We can, we can do so many things wrong, but God continually gives grace and extends mercy. He says, okay, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. So all of a sudden, God equips Moses with his brother Aaron. You shall speak with him, put the words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. Uh, he shall speak for you, for the people, be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. So God again equips Moses with more information, with more resources, with more promises. So I, um, I see the time is up here, and I was hoping to work through, I say we're just going to go through the rest of the chapter here, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here. I'm going to summarize briefly the, the, the story here. Um, verse 18 through 20, if you look at that, Moses decides to go. All of a sudden, like Moses is like, okay, I'll go. I'll go. Like, I don't, it's almost like, I, he, he's like, what's the point of saying no to you, God? Like, I'm like, yeah, there's, he, he goes, returns to Egypt with his, 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 his wife, his sons, and they head back to Egypt. Moses takes the staff of God, um, 
And verse 21 through 23, again, God gives him even more information. It's like all the people that were chasing you, were following you, trying to kill you, they're gone now. And this might actually have been Moses' fear. It's like there were people trying to kill me. Maybe this was his, his primary fear. I don't know. But God says, just, um, yeah, they're taken care of. Just go back. Um, and then verse 24 through 26 is a really odd little little story. We're not even going to get into this because it is like it is it is it is odd. There's a ton of disagreement around this. Um, I might come back to this at a later date when we when we look at the laws of circumcision and what circumcision means. So basically, just read over that, and um, if you're interested in studying that more deeply, come talk to me. I'd, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, Twenty-seven through. Uh, in verse 27, Aaron is sent into the wilderness to meet Moses. They, they meet um, at the mountain of God. They kiss, and then they go together back to Egypt. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And they go back and they do what God has called them to do. And the, the response, the, the, I guess my final point in this is that when, when you and I um, when we obey God's calling on our lives in obedience from a heart that's surrendered, despite the details, when we follow in obedience, God moves and he acts in the world. Like he actually affects change in the world through you and me. Um, powerful response here. And we see the outcome of, of, of Moses and Aaron surrender to God, working out his calling. Verse 31, yeah, verse 31 to, to close the sermon here. And the people believed. God moved. The people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and here again, it's like, this is, this is all about God. We don't, we don't read much about Moses and Aaron here in this last verse. We read about what God's heart is. When they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. They bowed their heads and worshiped. That is so rich because it's, 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 it's a picture of what God does when he uses us, when we're surrendered. God brings people to worship him. He, he brings people into relationship with him. And I think that's what I wanted, want for us to take home today is God um, wants to use you and I to affect change in the world, but we have to be willing to do it and to follow him, even when we don't know the details. And when we do that, God does respond. He does move and act in the world. Um, Let's bow our heads for a a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And we are so grateful um, to you for your mercies that are new every day. Thank you, Lord, that you're you're a a patient God and a a God who is long-suffering and that you, that you understand our struggles, our weaknesses, um, even our hearts that are sometimes um, not surrendered to you, that you continually have mercy on us. Lord, I ask that you would help all of us to, to live out the calling on our lives um, in obedience, even when we don't know all the, the, the full picture, even when we don't know all the details, but that we would be faithful and that you would work through our lives just like you did with Moses. Bless everyone who is here today. May you go with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.